imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It means something. It means You know, that's my take on it. Like, what's yours? Protonic reversal! That's like a science thing, right? Science thing, science place, scientific fact. We are all up in your face. It is time for the one and only Protonic reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Sunday edition, quarantine edition. Quarantimes, uh, volume 7,432, I believe, something along those lines. A special treat from you guys. This is a another overseas protonic. I'm having the fellas, uh, two of the fellas from Hey Colossus join up. So uh, this is going to be Chris and Joe from Hey Colossus. And uh, I really want to thank you for making the time. This is, this is awesome. You guys are... Uh, you guys are dealing with with a lot of nonsense right now. I mean, I guess we all are in this larger uh, scope of things. But uh, how's how's dealing with quarantine out there? How's dealing with the good old BJ and the crew? Like, what's <laughs> what's the general state of affairs in Hey Colossus Land outside of the band? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stasis. We're just we're just we're on hold, aren't we? I think like most of. Uh touring bands we're just kind of on hold uh but quarantine i mean quarantine i'm looking for uh, lockdown has just been kind of me being at work it's just been pretty normal i think the same for joe as well yep pretty much worked through it it's been great (laughs) (laughs) well and that's something where you know for some folks if you already were able to or uh already had to work remotely it hasn't necessarily been that big of a change other than the fact that you know there's the possibility of contracting a deadly virus if you go out to the shop to go yeah. <laughs> pick up some chips <laughs> uh have you guys so i i i guess the so let's start first just because when every time we have multiple people on it's always good to be able to identify the voice to a name and that always kind of pisses me off in other shows when people don't do that and you you spend at least 15 minutes trying to figure out who the hell is talking so uh, can you fellas just introduce yourself and we can we can get that part out of the way? Yeah, sure. I'm Chris. And I play guitar. And uh, my name's Joe and I play the bass guitar. Joe, I appreciate that the uh, mic that you're talking into kind of looks like a personal fan almost. Uh, I think that's a that, that, that's a good vibe choice. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the new record it's called Dances Curses, and it's very. It's it's my um, it's it's. it's, it's... Oh, you're you're kind of digitizing out there. Uh, so the the new record's called Dances Curses. It's very good. It's also very long. Like there's a lot of tracks to it. It's kind of a bold decision to have that many tracks on it, and especially when, uh, you know, I think 
the attention span of the average listener, it's gone two ways. Either people are diving deep into the record and kind of taking in the whole thing as a whole, or people have gone quite the other way and have almost permanent massive ADD, uh, unable to concentrate anything at any given moment in time. So this is record 13? Is that correct? Am I off base there? Uh, just quickly, I'm going to let Chris answer for a minute. I'm going to go and log into a different computer because this one's terrible. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> we appreciate the oh, quality that is the Hey Colossus way. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I'll be back in a minute. All right. I bet, yeah. I, th- I think it's 13. I think it's album number 13. But I'm the, I'm the guy that's joined the band most recently. So I, yeah, you, the history of the band the, is not yet. You're the... Quote the new unquote guy. new guy, which which is yeah yeah for two well two years now, but yeah I'm the new guy, so it's, I think it is album thirteen, yeah. And I don't have them in the band, so <laughs> <laughs> that's what, so. Let I guess since since Chris, you're you're kind of you're taking the baton here. I you you came out from position position of you already knew the band and knew the music before joining, correct? Yeah, 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 definitely. I I I've known. I've known Joe and Bob from the band and Reese from the band for over 20 years. And uh, the first guitarist in the band, Ian, I did a band with him just prior to Hey Colossus starting. And and one of the songs from that ended up being on the first Hey Colossus record. So, you know, I guess technically I'm kind of rejoining after 18 years or something, even though I played with them. But uh, yeah, I guess I'm just the only over... 40-year-old guitarist in the UK who's not been in the band, so I guess it just kind of <laughs> it kind of becomes my my turn, you know. Yeah, like you're, you, you're you, grandfathered in after a while. It's like yeah, you get you know you get like like jury duty or something. You get your you get your slip in the post. <laughs> exactly. You're in, you know. You're up. It's your turn in the box. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and it's it's something where. It's very difficult for a band to sustain for that long. That's the reason why I bring up the number of records. It isn't to be like, Christ, aren't you guys old or anything along those uh, along those lines? Yeah, just, yeah well, we are. Any, <laughs> and we are. <laughs> uh, the keeping a band creatively viable and interesting is not. Uh, it is not that easy of a proposition. I mean, I think of of bands that have done it. Uh, and some of them happen to be my favorite bands, but it requires kind of thinking laterally in a lot of different ways about songs and about what you think of for what you're putting to the band, how you listen to others, yeah. all of that stuff. And it occurs to me also that, I mean, not that I expected the record to be strict genre music or anything along those lines, but, mm. you know, there's some bold swings on this record. There's, there's some interesting uh, things that you do. It, it all it seems like it's very planned out and with intent, was the idea to try uh, different different stuff, or was it just more of a natural outgrowth of no, what you guys do? I, I think that the, it, it kind of relates to the longevity thing. I mean, again, I can only really speak for the time that I've been in it, but it just feels like they don't... If, if there was a plan about genre and there was a plan of, of, of pre-planning anything in that band, then you would have a finite amount of time that you could do it for. But actually, things just... It, it, we don't really have we don't really give ourselves enough time to discuss those kind of things so this record was <laughs> two weekends and i didn't we didn't know what it was until we'd done it and then 
overdubbing things, adding little things here and there, kind of pushed and pulled songs in different directions. But those kind of, what I can now see as being large differences between certain songs weren't really apparent when we came out with the with the the basic tracks from the studio after the first two weekends. It was like, what is this? You know? Right. And that's how you keep things, I think that's how you keep longevity with something is because you never had a, like a, a, a blueprint for what you were going to do to start with. And if you have a blueprint, then you also have like a, there's, there's a limit to what you can do. So, uh, right, right. <laughs> what is it like a... Every plan falls apart once the first punch is hit. You know, that's something long ago. Yeah, and in, 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 in a good way. Yeah, yeah, in a good way. <laughs> well, and, and it's something that, I mean, there is sort of an air of kind of low-grade excitement uh, with it. Like, it, it sounds like you guys are, are, are stoked to be doing it, which is always, again, this is things that, you, for me, I feel that's that's like a common element for all the kind of records that I enjoy and that I vibe with. Uh, but... There's a dedication to it that, that kind of like you guys are intent on whatever it is that you're doing, but it is layered. And then you brought up an important point. It's really easy to do that if you're like a two piece or like, you know, a power trio or something along those lines. There's a lot yeah. going on. There's a lot going on on these Hey Colossus songs. And, yeah, yeah. And th- that can be hard to, you know, the decision to like leave space or where to come in or how to come in. Uh, you know, is that something that's like a trial and error, like a discovery thing? Is that something where there's some intent behind it? I mean, I was really surprised when I when I joined. I was really surprised how they go about how how the records get made. I always kind of had an assumption about it that was maybe didn't really pan out unless they unless things are drastically different now. I'm involved than they were before, but it really is. It's just it's like the front cover of the record. It's just it's just accidents. You know, just constant force of will making these things happen. And I feel like the kind of decisions that you're talking about, like about arrangements and things like that, they're made so quickly that you don't really get, there's there's no plan B, there's no like, oh, should we do this or should we do this? You Normally our drummer Reese will say, well, we're doing this. This is how many of this part we're going to do. <laughs> and you're doing it. And the first time I did that was the last song on the record was the first thing that I recorded with them. And I, we finished recording that song. It's really long. And I thought, oh, I could probably do better than that. You know, I could probably get another take of that and I'll have that down. Right. And Reese is like, right, next one, off we go. You kind <laughs> not, of don't really so have much. it. Yeah. There's no, yeah, you don't, there's no second guessing part of it. That indecision that kind of has certainly halted a lot of bands that I've been involved in, that kind of constant back and forth and, that, you know, taking five years to make a record. It's just not really an option, which is good. I've heard it described as the paralysis of endless choice. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you could do anything, why do anything? <laughs> you know, you kind of need to, it needs to be, you need to have some sort of uh, decision making just to push things along, push things one way or the other. <clears throat> so, what, there was, you see, there's a bit of an adjustment period then for, for you to be able to get to that, you know, all right, oh, that's yeah. a decision. Now, let's, we're doing something else now. Yeah, it's horrifying because for me, I'm used to, <laughs> Another band that I've been in, uh, I'm still in technically, we, we took five years to make a record and everything was really, really considered. And there was a lot of accident involved in that as well. And, you know, for, for whatever reason, it took that long. But I always had this thing in the back of my mind where I could redo things or I could second guess things. And that's just to- totally taken away by the way that the band works. And to start with, that's kind of horrifying because you've got to get it right for one thing. And I'm not that good at playing. So that's a, 
that's an issue, you know. But it's it's been really kind of revelatory for me, you know, at the age of whatever I am now, 40-something, to suddenly realise, oh, yeah, you can get things done quickly and feel satisfaction with that. <laughs> well, and it's it's still, it's nice to be able to be surprised to find new ways to work, right? It's, it's, it's yeah, nice to yeah, not have yeah. to feel like... You already know all you know all the things that that you could you could do. You could discover yeah, can, new yeah, things yeah, in the process, be, right? That's nice. Yeah, totally. It would be extremely boring if you kind of worked out how to make music and make records really early on. That's you just followed that path the whole time. And I don't know, like it, it's the, the, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? I guess you know, kind of we the, the record turned out okay, so it must be good for us to work that way. <laughs> that's, that's my, if, it, if it didn't turn out very well, I'd be, I'd be, oh, shit, you know, we should do this differently. Next time we're going right, to rehearse right. and we're going to go. But also, you know, six of us in the band and we live a long way apart. So financially, it just doesn't make any sense to have endless rehearsals and then recording. You might as well just go to the studio and get on with it and see what happens. Well, yeah. And so, and that comes back to the, you know, having a big crew and having a, having a lot of people in the band that the more, yeah. people you have the more responsibilities you have the more schedules you have the more things that mm. that have to be overcome just to just to do that thing just to be in in the same space making music and you know let's be real those challenges get harder as you go on as you yeah. have other real life responsibilities you know things beyond just you know coming up with a cool riff or something yeah, along yeah. those lines uh, so it has to be made a priority. It has to be made a priority and has to be planned in advance. So it it seems like in that kind of situation, since everybody is uh, doesn't need to be kept on track with, oh, you know, I forgot to work on that song. You know, I got I went down to the bar and got wasted. You know, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> then then maybe you have uh, just just distilling away some of the. Um, of the nonsense and you can just get right to work immediately because you maybe even if you weren't actively working on parts with people you were thinking about them or you were thinking about like well you know this might be kind of cool or this might fit in in a neat way like you, you, you yeah so it's less time spent playing in a room with the same six people but uh, you get to be more thoughtful about it when you actually do yeah definitely it, it has to work that way otherwise we just don't have the time in our lives. If we, if it worked like my first band worked, where you get together and you 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 kind of really democratically work everything out, and someone comes to the to the practice with their riffs and they teach everyone them, and then they we think about what it means and everything else. I think you're not you know we we just would never get anything done. And I think, I mean, Joe maybe I don't know if Joe's with us again now, but I, I, I might be. Am I there? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're good, good, man. There. You're good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have a webcam on this computer. Oh, how convenient! <laughs> so, so, it's fine. but you two are looking, you two are looking so good. That... <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate the sentiment, even if it lacks truth. Uh, thank you, but <laughs> uh, it's no, it's it's good to have you back. And audio is fine. It's it's much. You know, the point of this is to be talking, not to be. Uh, no, I, I, and I've been, massage. I've been listening. Yeah, I, I've been listening to what Chris has been saying, and it's all true. So I didn't, I didn't feel the need to jump in. You, you didn't need to uh, actually uh, let the record state that. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's good. <laughs> all I would say is that I'm a, um, I'm a big fan of uh, capturing the song like one minute or two before perfection. Mm. So 
recording like this always seems to do that. You know, like you don't get to that point where you've played it so many times you're bored of it. Like you've caught it still at the, the just at the crest of excitement. And I think that that's sometimes you can hear that in other people's music, and sometimes you can also hear boredom. <laughs> well, certainly, because I think the the thing you're talking about, you know, you can chalk it up to seeing a band a lot of times and like, oh man, that's my favorite song. That's my favorite song. Then you hear it on the record and you're like, hmm, well, that's very competently played. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason why is because they've, they've toured it, you know, for two, three years or something and they just didn't get around to recording it until it was already kind of, until, until the thrill was gone. To yeah. It, I think that shows. Yeah. Rehearsed to death. Well, and, and so that kind of hammers home why I think the album's so interesting because, you know, it, it's, it's relatively sprawling in, in scope and there's a lot of different things that you guys do, but there is a kind of, there there's a definite excitement to every part of it. And I think that comes through to the listener in a way that, uh, you know, it, it's compelling, it's interesting. And it's, strangely, it's almost something that's that's more of a... Uh, how can I how can I put this? It's almost something you would more expect from like a younger band, like someone who like, you know, <laughs> they don't put out records, they just record to SoundCloud or you know what whatever kids yeah. are up to. <laughs> like that mindset of of just you know keeping it keeping it as exciting for yourselves as it is for the listeners. I guess as guess what I'm trying to get at. So, but that was that was never a. Uh, I mean, that was more more of a logistical concern as anything else. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, you couldn't. I don't think we could do it any other way, and it just so happens that it it's good that it works that way. I mean, you'd have to. Have, I mean, Joe probably would answer better than me, but I don't know whether that thing about capturing something, you know, a minute before you've really nailed it, or the second take or whatever, is by necessity because this is the only way the band can work, or whether it, that that desire kind of came first, Joe. I don't know. It's become that way. It felt yeah. to me like it wasn't initially. Before it was, um, what's the word when you um, don't have much patience? Uh, but now it's necessity, and I, I think it's I think it's healthy. It keeps everyone on their toes, including you know everyone. It's good. It's uh, it's exciting way to work, and also I, I kind of like going into a studio and not knowing, not even being convinced you have one song, let alone an album. <laughs> <laughs> There's something really exciting about it, you <laughs> right, know. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but it, the key, the key, really, as well, is to find someone um, who's uh, willing to record you in that way. Because um, we have that we've discovered this fellow called Ben, who's from um, the West Country, and right. um, that's a J and J Studio. Uh, uh, it was so yeah. The album was essentially recorded at J and J Studios in Bristol, but Ben runs a place in a place about an hour south of there called Axe and Trap. Mm -hmm. And um, he's, I think he's grown into the way that we work. He works with a lot of um, heavy metal bands who click track it. So the drummer will go in and then go home. And then the bass player will come in and then go home. <laughs> right. They do and, and, and I think he, he kind of piecemeal like yeah, that. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. And he appreciates that way of working as well. But I think that when you see like this sort of approach... I think it's. I think. I think he enjoys doing both essentially. So it's good to find someone who's willing to stand scratching their head whilst a band fumbles with a song on their own, like dime, as it were. 
Right, but but when it's it's sort of baked into the whole process, uh, you know, th- despite having that maybe adjustment period for you guys are doing what now exactly? Uh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. w- w- when you get the idea that that's going to be oh that that's how this is, you're kind of building the structure of, and uh, and it, the infrastructure. Sorry, of, of the song. As you go, like, like building up, like, okay, here's the foundation, you know, put, let's put the walls in, et cetera, et cetera. And you're building all from scratch, ostensibly uh, right there, as long as you know that's what's happening. I mean, it's something that we don't think of in the more <laughs> punk rock world, I guess is the way to put it, as, as being, like, a, a natural way to work. But if you listen to, like, like The Wrecking Crew and, and, like, bands from, like, the 60s and things along those lines, that, that happened all the time. You know, and it was usually like, you know, maybe a first or second take situation and, uh, you know, no time for thinking too hard or overthinking too hard about anything. There, There is a fine tradition for it, but it would make sense. You'd want to have you'd want to have the engineer on board for sure. Yeah, I think um, I, I think that's I, the first time I've worked with Ben and. I was amazed that he didn't lose his mind doing it like that. I mean, he was setting up when the, the first weekend we were there recording it, he was still setting up the microphones and making decisions and working out where the cables worked when we were starting to want him to be tracking something. And that's not because he's slow. It's because we got there and 20 minutes after we got there, we were, we were doing something. And for him to not lose his mind about that, he's just like such a Zen character. <laughs> you know, he really kind of, I couldn't imagine doing it with anybody else. Yeah, understandable, understandable. And so the so then, with that, how much of the songs are worked out ahead of time? Do you guys demo things at, at all, like even the basic ideas, or is it just nobody hears anything until they walk in the room? Um, well, it, individ, individually, if we had an idea, we'd maybe record it on our phones or something like that. I think we had one little practice where we went through a few kind of riff ideas and but that was just the first time I'd ever played with the band. So I think it was more just to make me feel comfortable, you know, so I'd kind of worked out what it was going to be like. And I'm not really sure how much of that, I probably got a tape of it somewhere, but I'm not really sure how much of that really became any of the the finished music. But I mean, I think we all individually have that, but it's just a case of, okay, who's got something? And then like working through it until it was done. Like one of the, one of the ones that I like the most on the record I remember Reese, our drummer, just being like, let's just get this done. This, this, this is awful. <laughs> let's just finish this song. And it kind of ended up being all right in the end. But in the middle of it, you're not sure what's, you're not kind of sure. You're not, you won't work into anything. You don't, or you don't already have that demo or that template you work into. It's all completely in the moment. It's really cool. Things sure. Work that way. Sure. So Joe, speak a little bit, if you can, about having, having Chris in the mix and having like what he brings uh, into it. Like what, what and how oh, okay. he changed things. <laughs> well we've oh. known we've known Chris for years and years and years so I probably met Chris and Bob who's also in the guitar in fact all of us we probably met Chris late 90s um He's when been he around. was in a band <laughs> <laughs> when he he was in a band called Reynolds and we did other bands as well so we've known him for a long time so on that level it was quite easy so it wasn't like completely fresh blood being brought in and we knew what he how he played and stuff. So, I mean, really, we had another guitarist who was fairly new as well, Will. So, in a lot of ways, it was two guitarists working for the first time on a full album. 
and both Will and Chris are both very um, well. Like, Chris can hear me, so this is a bit awkward. But they're both kind of excellent. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to compliment each other. It's it's, it's allowed. But, but, but yeah, but enthusiastic as well. And um, enthusiasm is. I, I have this like for me. It's like follow the enthusiasm, and that's for everything. That's for like people who want to put you on at gigs, to people who want to play in the band to labels who want to release your music i'd rather follow an amateur enthusiast than a professional sort of indifferent character who's just seen it all before and that there's something to you know it's enthusiasm you know and both will and chris brought so much like brought more than us in a lot of ways that's very interesting that you mention that because i think that's uh i think that there's some major almost objective truth to that that the level of engagement you get from someone that's, you know, excited about a thing and, and seeking out to uh, be a part of it versus, yeah, I'll do it, sure. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Doing us the favor, huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we've, we, you know, exactly. And enthusi- like if, if fresh enthusiasm comes in amongst our own enthusiasm, the, ho- the whole thing just turns into a big, exciting, like, ball, like a rolling stone. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, like, just picks up. Yeah. And then before you know it, you've got this, in this case, like ludicrously large lump of music and you realize that you're happy with all of it and you want the whole thing on the, that, you want that to be the whole album. But it's just, it was the sound, it was basically the sound of that sort of half a year or however long it took to record and mess around with. It was the enthusiasm from like those two really. Understandable, understandable. No, and I think, again, I think it shows. I think it's it's a very uniquely enthusiastic record and that's, readily apparent for anyone that chooses to hear it <laughs> which which is uh which is nice again it's up there with i guess mumble rappers on soundcloud is that what everyone's up to i don't know what they're i don't really get exactly it. we're yeah that's what we are <laughs> <laughs> I, I on it I, to me that's you know when i heard the descriptor mumble rap i was like haha that's funny and they're like no it's a real thing it's like Ugh. Of course, yes, yeah, it and it's really, really big. Yeah, of course, of course it is. Of course it is. I, I, I found it immediately amusing, so therefore it's the most popular thing. All right, yeah, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I wonder, uh, Joe, if you could talk a little bit about the PBC Foundation, and I know you uh, auctioned off the. Uh, well, you didn't auction off; you sold off the test pressings for to, to raise money for that. I know that's oh yeah, weird to you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um... My, uh, so the story is my wife got ill um, like years and years ago, really. It was like 10 plus years ago she started getting ill and then it got progressively worse and then um, we were going back and forth to the hospital a lot and they couldn't work out what it was. Uh, they realised it was to do with the liver and it ended up being a thing called primary biliary cholangitis. So PBC, um, which um, affects the liver. And, uh, yeah, and then it got worse and worse. And then earlier this year, she had a liver transplant. Uh, it was the fourth time we'd been called up. So we live about 150, 200 miles from London. Mm. But the appointment, the, the um, uh, surgery had to happen in London. So an ambulance would come and collect us and then we'd get taken to London. And that happened four times. The first three times the liver wasn't good enough. You get to London, you go, you're basically prepared for surgery. And then they say the liver's not good enough. So then you get back in your clothes and then they take you all the way home again. 
And so the whole time you're sort of sitting on the phone waiting for the liver transplant team to call. Basically, this is going to sound horrible, but you're essentially waiting for someone to die. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, With a healthy liver. Um, So that obviously happened three times. And the fourth time in February, it worked out. And um, yeah, and it was heavy. It was a heavy time. Um, And she's doing a lot better as time ticks on. I'm glad to hear that. Medication, whatnot. And this current like year has been pretty hefty because of everything that's going on. And she has these like drugs that can, you know... Uh, it, it, it it would be bad. It'd be terrible if she caught what was going around at the minute. Um, so yeah, it was that. And so it's PBC. It's a PBC. They're the foundation, and they give help and advice to a very little known illness. So we raised a few quid for them. Well, and also, you know, it raises attention to what that is for maybe the people that, that weren't even aware it was a thing. You know, so they uh, no one. Yeah, it's very. I wouldn't have heard of it. People haven't heard of it, and that's fair enough. There's 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 zillions of other things probably just like it. It's just this is the one yeah. that's affected us. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear she's doing better. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. When I saw that you guys were doing that, I was like, "What the Sam Hills PBC? What is that? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what that is." And so then I yeah, well, exactly. Research. So it's good. Like we did it because we did it for all the test pressings on the label. So yeah. it was us, Rain, Sweet Williams, Acid Liner, Basicleft. They all said yes. We sold all like three, four, or five test presses that we had, and we you know we raised about three hundred and eighty quid or something. It was you know. It was low key, but it, it sort of just, like you say, raised awareness to something that people haven't heard of, and and also it's because it's not to do with booze. Um, it can, you know, like it's not drink related, mm. like a lot of liver illness might be considered. Um, so it's good if you look into it and you think, oh, actually, liver transplants don't just come round from having drunk too much or whatever else. It comes from other things like your own gene pool, whatever else. It can really, you know. Right, I think oh, no. th- there's right, a natural thing with anything with the with the liver. There's certain assumptions that are made, and uh, yeah, yes. that would be erroneous. <laughs> yes, and so I spend half my time going, "It's not booze related." <laughs> right, Just yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that, that, <laughs> as if there wasn't enough to deal with to have to uh, deal deal with that. Right, right? you know. Yeah. Well, listen. So, yeah. Anyhow, there we go. That was it. That was it. Well, no, I appreciate that, and I was I was wondering. If uh, I think the record is interesting enough that uh, that we could maybe go through track by track, and you guys give me your thoughts on each of the songs. So we would go through just song by song. You know, you'd say anything that springs to mind from you know, be it arrangement, writing, uh, recording, you know, where the song title came from, anything along those lines. Just whatever, whatever springs to mind. I think this can be. I always try to do this when I have multiple people from a band on because sometimes I enjoy seeing the uh, the parallax view of how people view certain songs. Are you guys into it? Yeah. Go for it. That's good because I didn't have any other material prepared. So, you know, it's, it's some... <laughs> no, kidding, kidding, kidding. Uh, so record starts off with a bang. Eyeball Dance is the first is the first one. And uh, Chris, why don't you start? We'll go we'll go back and forth with you guys. I think my recollection of this is that it's a thing that Will brought in, the guitarist Will brought in, and I thought it sounded like um, uh, the tubular bells, uh, Mike Oldfield. You know the I do I I, yeah, I know I, it well yeah. So I thought okay, and then uh, you should never read reviews of your own music. That's my piece of advice that I've learned over the last year. Don't read reviews. I'm I I never got the 
so many reviews, especially from mainland Europe, have said, oh, it sounds like Queens of the Stone Age. And I would never, you could have put me on a desert island for the rest of time and say, what do you think people are going to think that sounds like? I would never have said that. But I kind of get that it's a one note, you know, bass riff. But what, what, But that's almost like, and when you say it sounds like Queens of the Stone Age, like, what does that mean? There's like multiple, like that could mean like any, like yeah. they do all kinds of different songs. You know, they're like one of those bands that, you know, <laughs> it's like sounding like Fugazi. It sounds like Fugazi. Oh, really? It does? <laughs> do you mean in yeah. hits? Do you mean repeater? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, it's sounding like the Melvins. Oh, okay. So that, you know, like, what does that sound like? Which album? What are you talking about? Uh, full disclosure, I, I do believe that the UK press is obsessed with comparing things to Queens of the Stone Age. And I say that as someone, I think every record I've done in the past five years has been compared to Queens of the Stone Age, which is like, okay, be, fine. But it's like... Be, uh... That'll be the ground zero. No, rock music didn't exist before uh, <laughs> like, Songs for the Deaf in 2002 or whatever like, else. You, like, you know there are other bands, right? Like there's, there's bands that existed before that band, right? Uh, I, I don't get that at all, but I mean, I, I, I guess I get where people might might see hear that, uh, you know. But anyway, uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on Eyeball Dance? Um, it, it's, it's in 7-8, uh, which uh, is tricky for untrained people like myself. <laughs> And uh, that's proved when we played it uh, somewhere in France. We tried playing it in France and I was accused of... We didn't get more than 10 seconds through the song because I was accused of making terrible, terrible mistakes. Um, So we just had to stop and move on to something else. But yeah, I think it was a will thing. I really like it because I play one note. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Actually, someone said it sounded like No Means No. Uh, the bass that, intro to yeah, that actually makes a little more sense to me. But, I mean, I guess I can hear. I'm still stuck on the Queens of the Stone Age thing. I guess I can kind of hear that as well because they have <laughs> some they have some tricky song signature kind of stuff as well. But I mean, ultimately, it sounds like you guys, right? But you know, I, I can hear the no means no thing as well. I get I think, where I think Will, it. yeah, Will's a big um, like King Crimson fan. That so that almost makes more sense to me. Got timing, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, there's another one later on in the album that's got. One of his like non four four songs, <laughs> which uh, takes us all out of our element slightly. Um, but you know, so so, yeah. do you find when you are engaging with a song like that, you have to think about it more? You have to think about it differently. Um, well, for for me, I I, I just I kind of learn it. What's it? Learn it by rote or whatever. I just um, I spend a lot of time like tapping out rhythms with my teeth. Mm. Like through the day, like I'll be at work, um, wandering around in the way that I do at work, and my just teeth just chatter to the rhythm of songs. Um, <laughs> and this is one of them. We we got a few older ones as well. I've, I've I, I'm not I, I, I'm not even I, I can see you chuckling there, but I've I, I, I've I've um like written riffs just using my teeth just chattering. So like, I, there, there's like high notes and low notes in my mouth, and yeah so this yes. is one of them that was constantly like chattering to my i still made a mistake when we played it in france but <laughs> it's a teeth chatterer well it's the sideways it's the down motion for the kick drum and the sideways motion for the snare for me is that <laughs> yeah yeah thousand, i had to have about a thousand pounds worth of dental work done about 15 <laughs> my teeth were just mashed i was gonna and, say uh, your, your dentist would either be stoked to hear that or really bummed out oh, one my, or the, the other the, my my dentist didn't believe that I didn't have 
my, my dentist was trying to word it to me and he was just kind of skirting around the subject. And then finally he said, look, if you've got a cocaine problem, it's totally fine. <laughs> I haven't. I, this is how I listen to music. I, I listen to music. And he just wouldn't believe it. And every time I went in for the dental work, he kept thinking that I was like a, a class A drug user. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which you are, right? But this isn't, this isn't what you're doing. It's not relevant to the topic, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, it's just funny. The reason why I was laughing is because in, in the, you know, whatever, 224 episodes I've done of this show, I don't think I've ever heard of such a thing. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I, I get it. Uh, but that's a, a tap. The, the clacking out the rhythms on your teeth is, is uh, that's a new one to me. That's, that's, that's yeah, interesting. Through, the day, through almost every day. And then I also play the bass guitar on Elisa when I'm asleep on her leg. But that's, that's, that's nothing to do with this. That's just... <laughs> that's just color commentary, really. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, all this talk of teeth, the next, the next song on the record is Donkey Jaw. So uh, you want to... That's wanna... neat. It's a neat lead in there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's it's called Professional Segway in the podcast business. Oh. <laughs> I think Chris brought this one in, right? Or the main idea. You brought this in, didn't you? Yeah, this is the one I was on about where we were doing it and I, I just really wanted to get it done. I remember thinking that no one liked it and we were trying to play it and I just remember thinking, ah, uh, you know, maybe this one's not going to work out. And then listening back to it, in the week afterwards, when Ben sent the rough mixes through, I was like, oh, actually, that kind of, this might be all right. And then when Paul put the vocals on, it's like, it's like, it's one of my favorites. I mean, I'm biased maybe because I did bring the little bit in to start it, but I think it worked out really good. It's like a little pop song, which I don't know if that's something that would be expected from the band or not. I think it's a good entry point into the record. Uh, that's the one I threw on the best of 2020 mix. Um, Largely because as much as I want to do Trembling Rose, that song's fucking 16 minutes long. So it's like... Yeah, yeah. That's what you put on when you need to go for a shit. But, <laughs> yeah, and you're it's DJing, but yeah. It's, it's, it's a top 20, not a top two. So, uh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe, any thoughts on Donkey Joe? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I do like it. I like it a lot. I really like, um, the, again, the choruses in this. I could barely play it when we were recording them. And I remember thinking as we were playing it, I'm not nailing this at all because it kind of gets a bit jerky time-wise yeah, again. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like it goes straight all the way through and then it snatches on the chorus. Each note just to my ears just like comes a little bit early. And I swear I didn't get it. And then when I heard the mixes back, I, I, I either got it or Ben, the guy who recorded it, just moved my bass playing to be more in time. <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I really like, uh, is it Will's solo in it? Is it Will who does the solo? Yeah, Will does the Will does the like Mark Rebo. Yeah. Tom Waits. Oh, no, Mark Rebo. I, I actually moved yeah, the Mark definitely. Rebo. I, I, I moved a Mark Rebo CD off of the stool because I was ripping it because I realized I didn't I didn't have it on MP3. So that's funny. And I was like, why is there a Mark Rebo CD on here? And I'm like, oh yeah, I was I was ripping CDs because that's a quarantine activity. This is uh, synchronicity and magic and right it, it really is because because dude's got a very idiosyncratic style like he's got a very unique style and it, def it definitely it has that vibe uh for sure and, and i you know i like the syncopation on that too and i think it's like i said it, it's a cool i think it's an easy entry point into the record uh and i i you know it's a good song it's a good tune uh, it's something else I was going to say, but I got distracted by the moving the Mark Rebo CD and the synchronicity oh, of all I that. do just, I will say, I also really like um, a fellow called Dave, who did the artwork, uh, did the video for it. Yeah. 
and um there's been a lot of like um this year a lot of bands have done videos um and they've been quite tricky to do through the year yeah but i think that one i think a couple of the ones that have been made for us actually the people making them they've done them the basic what we our budget for all the videos and artwork has been one bottle of port. <laughs> uh, that is what we, that is the, because uh, everyone has lent, yeah, lent themselves so kindly. Either they've got nothing to do, so they're happy to make them or whatever, but they've been really kind at lending their time and using, you know, giving us their talent to make these videos. And the Donkey Jaw one's really good. Dave Hand did it. He also does the, um, does the artwork for the Supersonic Festival, which happens here, if you've heard of that. Um, and yeah, there's some talented folk. Well, it goes back to what you're talking about earlier about working with people that are excited about doing it. They're excited about doing things, you know. That's yeah. I think I think we drained all the excitement out of everyone. <laughs> borrowed time from yeah. We've got no fa- We have no favors left. That's it. I kind of I kind of feel like we called in we called in lifelong favors with so many talented people, and they've all just that's it. They're not answering the phone anymore. There's no way Dave's <laughs> right. You've just sucked it clean like a vampire. Just with the... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Spent it all, if you will. <clears throat> uh, so Metal is the third song. Oh, yeah. I was trying to think what was the third song. We did it. We did this. We released it already. We, we, it's the same basic... I think I'm right on this. Joe can correct me. It's the same basic version of it but we changed the vocals and changed some of the overdubs for the album version but we put this out on the b-side on a seven inch when we were on tour in 2019 um but then we beefed it up a bit for the i think paul changed the vocals kind of it's i prefer the album version to the single version but it was kind of it came out of this thing that we did we had an idea where we wanted to do something called the power hour so we, we had set aside an hour in the studio where we were going to uh, just record a load of hardcore songs that we come up with on the spot. I said we come up with Bob with them, and that was the intro. The riff to metal is the intro to one of his like kind of floor punching hardcore tunes, and that's what you hear. <laughs> so the first thing that you hear on it, that little kind of sample of another of another version of it, is from the Power Hour with Paul watching the football and doing his vocals at the same time. So you can hear like some commentary from the <laughs> Arsenal game. In the but, but we decided that we couldn't, the power R didn't really work for whatever reason. So we just made that song into, I, I, I remember as well, Joe, do, am I making this up? Cause I'm, I might be attributing something here to Reese and he doesn't, he's not a fan. I remember Reese just saying, I know what I'll do. I'll play the girls against boys drum beat over your, over your, yeah, I You're, think that is the case, then, and that won yeah. us round. And we, and I think, yeah, the song slowed down by half the pace. <laughs> yeah, I remember him just saying, "I just, I'm just going to nick the drum beat from the Girls Against Boys drummer." So sorry, Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> that was a band. Girls Against Boys was a band. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I like quite a bit of Girls Against Boys, but there's also some Girls Against Boys that I'm like, hmm, yeah, that album definitely exists, all right. Which I quite like. Um, uh, what is it? Venus Luxure, whatever it's called, yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. And and then the red one that came after it's pretty decent. Yeah, uh, I I think that there's something to love about pretty much all the early records when they get to. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to remember what the name of the one is that's just is. 
I think it's all right. I, I think you're on about uh, free Konica. Yes. yes. That's all right. I'm going to stand by it, but that's because... I know Alexis, and I don't want to get into shit. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do too. And I'm not, right. not going to talk trash or anything, but I was going to say at the time it didn't it didn't gel with me. The which I think was like that fifth oh. album or something. Uh, but then again, it's what I've been doing. I've been going back and listening to records that I did not think were so great in the late '90s, and I've been finding that I was wrong on some of them, or at least it wasn't for me at the time. Let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, which has nothing to do with anything. So just, I, I guess the, <laughs> anyway, this is Girls Against Boys Reviewed with Conan and uh, Chris and Joe. <laughs> uh, I, I like the idea of the the more ephemeral and for lack of a better term, fun thing like, like the Power Brower. Is there ever a thought towards, oh, maybe that could be mischaracterized or... You know, maybe like that it wouldn't hit necessarily the way we want to have it hit rather than uh, doing something where, you know, everyone in the band is doing is like in on the joke or in on the on the on the shtick. I shouldn't say joke in on the shtick. I think think the idea the idea behind it at the time, if I remember, was we were going to record enough to do a seven inch. It was but it was instead of having lunch one day. So instead of having an hour's lunch break, we thought we'd do an hour's attempt at this. Just and we essentially had the songs, but we just we underestimated the skill level needed, <laughs> and uh, dropped the ball on it really. And it turns out you can't form and record a hardcore seven inch in one hour. That's yeah. despite the best intentions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that and so that's the so. In, any other thoughts with metal then? Before we move on, I got a feeling that um, Will might have recorded his guitar solo in the basement of the Exchange in Bristol. Mm. Yeah, um, there's. I think. Um, do you know that venue? I don't know. There's a venue in Bristol called the Exchange. They've built a studio down there. I got a feeling he popped down there one lunchtime. I thought he did. Ben it was living day. up there. I can't, there at I can't remember. Yeah, my recollection was he did it in the day. I like. I like playing metal live because there's a bit in the middle where. I don't have to play anything. I can just wave my guitar around. And, and that's the only bit that's kind of like that. Everything else, I'm just totally, I can't have to remember everything all the way and I'm really stressed out. But in metal, it's just a bit where I just get to just make a load of noise and I quite like that. So. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be his head down and, oh, okay, what's next? Yeah. Okay, it's this. All right, fair. <laughs> uh, fourth song, Dreamer is Lying in State. I can't. I, I, think, I, I think this was something that I brought in, but I brought in like the chorus bit thinking that would be the song and then we kind of framed it with the arrangement like kind of the kind of more motoric kind of thing around it that's my recollection of it but I really I think I play some keyboard on it as well I wanted it to kind of sound really open and refreshing after metal the metal's quite dense and everyone's yeah and I kind of Kind of felt like, and, and, I, and I was really pleased when Paul's vocals came back that he did that kind of nursery rhyme type vocal on it, because that's not what you get from our type of bands normally. Not I don't know what type of band we are, but you know, I I, I, can, I could kind of see that that is that is out of character maybe for what someone might expect who dips in and out of the back catalogue of the band. So I, was, I, I I'm really fond of that one. I really, I really like that song. Yeah, I think Paul did. 
Paul did marvelous work on it on the whole album. I think he put like I think he put hours and hours and hours into lyrics and melodies and whatnot. And yeah, it's not what you expect from. There's people still out there that think we're a doom band <laughs> from like 2003. <laughs> so yeah. you know, you, you know, it's quite tough to move away from. Sometimes you need to come out fully formed, right? And we didn't. So, well, in the end, people oh. have a tendency to latch on to a thing and presume that everything else is is like that thing. And that's one of the reasons why when you started off, you know, I mentioned that you guys are not strict genre music. And most of my favorite bands are not strict genre music. But it, for whatever reason, I, you know, I don't know what it is about modern culture, but it's, it's brought out the record store employee and all listeners that everybody immediately wants okay. to put everybody in a box. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, this yeah, goes definitely. in this bin. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the pet hate for me. I, I find it really hard to... But, you know, in the absence of using genre terms, it's hard to describe music, isn't it? You know, it's hard to sort of... It's, it's hard to sell something to somebody. I remember when I used to put, put bands on, put shows on. It's really hard. And that, unless you've got X members of or something like that that you can, you can write... How do you explain, like, what? I don't know. Like, how do you explain what... I don't know, Lover's Laughter sound like or something like that. Just the first band that came into my mind. But what, how do you explain yeah. something like that? You don't do. So. My favorite move used to be able to do this long, <laughs> drawn out, like, you know, comparison, you know, this kind of like, like this, this, blah, blah, blah. But that sounds terrible and they're actually great is usually how it would end it. Because <laughs> well, that's what we called. We had a, do you, Joe, do you remember the journalist Mark Beaumont in the UK? I, I know the name, yeah. Enemy journalist. He would always be, his way of describing bands would always be like, such and such plays in the practice room while Joy Division watches from behind the sofa on crack. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. on crack is it? That's you, a very two thousand. Can you fucking imagine yeah. what that would really sound like? You know? Yeah, that, that the on crack thing moved to on acid in the in. The, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that that means that there's a reverb pedal involved. Yeah, yeah, and a wah wah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, Nothing wrong with either. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It's just that it's it's. It's immediate cultural shorthand for, uh, okay. Oh, they're real high when they did this. Okay, sure. Right. <laughs> sure they are. Uh, so that's Dreamers Lying in the State. Uh, nine is Nine is the, the, is the fifth song. This is, this is two riffs. This is, uh, I think Will had the chorus, and I got a feeling he liked it because it does that going up two semitones thing. Yeah. Which... Um, a lot of the bands that he likes do that I I'm unaware of the sort of proggy bands do that thing where it goes like yeah, it's, there's no like it's just always two frets you going up a scale it's two frets which is totally not something I'd ever I don't know why I, I was like are you sure that's right <laughs> and I just played something. I realised the thing I play underneath it's wrong anyway so I'm going to have to try to work <laughs> whether, 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 whether wrong is right or I don't know but I think it's I had, the, I had the verse riff and I really wanted to redo it, I think. When we came to do the second uh, recording session, I was like, maybe we should revisit that one and do it again. And I kind of had it in my mind that the verse riff was like kind of like lungfish, like really slow. Oh, sure. Yeah. And and and, and Paul Paul was just knocking on the glass when when I was trying to like suggest redoing it. He was just going, no, 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 keep it as it was. You're an idiot. Shut up. Don't slow it down. And he's kind of right. It becomes like a pop song as it is. And it's, it's a good one, that. It's a good little sort of blast. 
Yeah, it's it's almost like the. I wonder if the mindset was like sort of the prog out with your cog out mentality (laughs) for that. But but it it doesn't stay too long. You know, it it does what needs to do. And it's almost it's actually uh, very seems like well sequenced to me because it comes before Trembling Rose. I think that's kind of a uh, you you get an interesting sort of one two there that engages the listener. Yeah, it felt like I think side A. It feels like they they could be sing they could in a different world they could be singles. Yeah, you know those five songs they're they're kind of separate from each other and there's not a lot of space between each of them when the, in the mastering they kind of come one after the other quite quickly. And I kind of thought like for me anyway, I, it just felt like it was almost like a mixtape of singles that first side. I could hear that. Just yeah. you try to get people on board because you're going to hit them with 16 minutes on the B side. <laughs> Get it out of your right system now, you boys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Are you like this? Well, yeah. You're not going to like this. Here, here come the bummer. Uh, <laughs> Joe, do you have any other uh, thoughts on that one before we move on? Uh, no, I really like it. I'm looking forward to hopefully playing it live one day. That's it, really. I think, yeah. <clears throat> so then then we have the, uh, the, the Autobahn of the record. If you will, <laughs> and I say that with with, with yeah. love, with peace and love in my heart, peace and love. Uh, <laughs> love the song, but uh, yeah, trembling rose, bold, bold song. Uh, Sixteen minutes and twelve seconds, looks like. Look, looking, looking over here. Uh, Possibly <laughs> fulfill, fulfills the criteria of being a, a long song that doesn't feel long. Like you're sitting there looking at your watch, like oh, okay, necessarily, but. And again, in an ADD-riddled world, did you ever give a thought to having a song that long on the record? No. I, I, this, um, we, um, I think uh, this is the one song that we played live uh, that people knew before the album came out, aside from metal. Yeah. Um, we recorded it first, then played it live five nights running at the end of last year we went out with nod and part chimp and um we played one gig in the uk in hastings just outside hastings somewhere and then uh we went to europe for four nights and this we played this song every single night and i I think we ended every set with it despite the fact that no one knew the song who was watching it or in a lot of ways who was playing it and um (laughs) it was and but it was it was so exciting to play like I can't put into words how exciting it was to play. The first night I was uh, um, dubious about doing it, but then once we got that one out of the way, it was just really exciting to play. It, you know, it, that, it was just so exciting. I go with that. I think when we played it, the, la- the last time we played together was in London on that tour, so that's over a year ago now. And that Lon- the finishing with it in London at the Dome, I think that was the. I can't think of many better live music experiences I've ever had than that. It was really cool. It was like mainly because it was just like I'm going home after <laughs> I get to go home after this and go to bed. But but it just it sounded really good up there and it was like really intense. And I think like we maybe we were playing first out three bands, so we kind of wanted to to we were going for it. You know, I think that's fair to say. And it was just felt really good. But the I think we did it at the, the recording of it. I think it was the second take that we did it. And I've told the story before, but the first take, a cup of tea fell off the piano into the inside. 
Oh no! So oh, no! That's terrible. Abandoned it. He's like, shit, studio piano. I'm gonna, we're gonna have to pay for the piano. And Bob's kind of fishing the piano, the cup of tea out of the piano. And I remember Reese just being like, "Why are we stopping? What's going on?" Like, I mean, because understandably, Reese has got a drum for 16 minutes. Although we didn't realize it was 16 minutes when we were doing it. I don't. It didn't feel like 16 minutes when we were playing it. But I think it's like, yeah, it, it, it. it I hope it doesn't feel like it's that long. I hope it doesn't feel like we just kind of... Yeah, it does. It feels like it, feels like it moves into it. I can't describe this very well, um, but it feels like it kind of buries into itself rather than exploding out. Like, so a 16-minute song by, like, a... I'm trying to think of a band. I won't name any bands, but a 16-minute song by, like, a psychedelic rock band will just spiral out and out and out. And this just feels like it just goes in and in and in and in. It's slightly different in its feel. And there's some really nice little accidental moments in that kind of drifty section that, that I'm... Yeah, I was, I was. I think I probably did. Whoa, fireworks! I think uh, I probably did our producer Ben's head in a bit on it, and Joe was there and possibly trying to like stop me from breaking his brain. But I was just, yeah, that cosmic bit in the middle. I was, I was really, I wanted, I was really attentive to, and I really wanted it to be good. But hopefully, Ver- it version by version. Take by take, did you find that it mostly stayed the same? Were there significant differences with... Um, the, the, the take that's on the album is the first time we played it from start to finish. Yeah. And the only time in the studio. I think we stopped. After we'd done that, we were like, that, that's probably all right. Yeah. it was. A, we had a discussion beforehand. If I, if I remember rightly, I've got a feeling Will had the little idea that sort of runs through the song. And we had a few, like... Okay, Reese will sit down on the toms for a bit and then we'll do that little change that happens twice. Like once he's played that like four times around, we'll do the switch. And then it's it was it was basically just it was mapped out as a quick discussion beforehand. First take, piano ruined it, second take was it, and then we never played it again. Yeah, I don't think until we did. until we must have rehearsed it before playing it live. Um and yeah, and then that was it. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't, yeah, we have talked a lot about, you know, long songs, hopefully not seeming long. It, it doesn't seem long. It's definitely, it, it draws the listener in in a way that it's a fine line, right? Like, you know, no, nobody wants to be, <laughs> nobody, nobody's trying to do Tales from the Topographic Oceans here, but by the same token. <laughs> Apart from maybe Will. Will might be trying to do that. No, no, that maybe. <laughs> He's doing his, his mini album version of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I think it hits it hits some interesting stuff. And, and the, the idea that it's, you know, it, it hadn't been played to death. It hasn't been, hadn't been something that was, you know, strictly mapped out. Logistically speaking, when you're recording something, the longer you record, <laughs> the more chance there is that something will screw it up. And it'll, and you'll have to start over, and unless you have yeah. it in a certain way, where however you're composing the song, that you can like you know punch in here and there, uh, it's hard to do. the The longer the composition, the more difficult that is. And and the, is any of that in your minds when you're recording it, or are you just in the zone? Oh, I don't I, remember worrying. I was I was definitely I definitely felt relieved when we finished it. When, when it got to the last, <laughs> like, but I was just, that's because I'm, you know, I was tired. I was kind of just hammering that one note for 
downstroke in one note for like 16 minutes is pretty pretty testing but i mean you know i, I don't remember yeah i think no matter what no matter what that take would have been like i think that would have been the one because we just didn't want to do it again yeah right. we didn't want to have to do it again but i remember thinking it was good and i remember listening back to it and just really into it and then i think especially that one i think the vocals are just really like and it's a standout. I know Paul doesn't podcasts that any of us do so he, he they were they're, they're like he directs it and he's like kind of directing the changes in the song seem to follow what he sings in a way that I, it almost feels like he would have been doing that with us even though he wasn't i, I really i think that's the thing that vocally on the record i think that's really good yeah there's some songs along those lines where the vocals are very clear that they're an afterthought and uh, that that doesn't feel this way at all. Yeah, he doesn't ever get like he he doesn't ever get like um like smick and drifty on the vocals. They they kind of do a little bit in the middle there somehow, but yeah. they're they're still doing things. They still seem to be doing what we do, which is you know cool. And playing it live, you have to go off his vocals anyway, so it's kind of reversed itself around anyway. We're kind of listening for his vocals when when we play it live now. But yeah, I'm I'm really I was stoked with that song. Like genuinely, I just thought agreed, it was, agreed. Came out beautifully. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, what would have would have been on the year end list if it if it hadn't been so long. <laughs> it wasn't sixteen minutes long. <laughs> uh, and 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 just Chris, speaking to your point of of the you know playing the one note for very long. Uh, for me, I've always characterized it as you know having having time become meaningless almost when, when when you're playing it like you're like oh man you're like this is genius this is yeah. idiocy this is idiotic genius where am it's i what's happening extent. what is music what's happening you know like you just kind of zone it's out the, completely it, it's, but it's also you looking at your hand and you're like am i do, am i doing that what <laughs> yeah. and i remember um yeah. i remember years ago yeah. i went to go and see i went to go and see tony conrad do this thing in leeds this is like 20 years ago probably and I know I knew the guy that he had playing bass. Um, uh, Mick Flower, who plays in the band Vibra Cathedral Orchestra, was playing bass for him. And I kind of thought, I'm going to go and have a look at what they're doing. It was it, they were soundtracking the, the film. I can't remember the name of the Tony Conrad film with the with the black and white lines that slowly go in and out of phase. And, I don't um, know that one. But... I, I went to the back of the room to look at them doing it, and it's like Mick Flower was having like an like an existential crisis trying to play this one bass note. His face was just like, like, and he'd been playing it for an hour, just going dumb, dumb, dumb. And you could see his face was just like, he didn't know. (laughs) It's a little bit like that, playing that song, in that you you start to question whether you're making the sound that you clearly are making in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and there's, you know, Didn't We Deserve a Look You the Way You Really Are by Shellac's a good example of that. Oh, man, yeah. We we just, it's just like, what, what's. What's happening? Where am I? What? What is? And yeah, it goes backwards <laughs> after a while, and you're like, "Fucking hell!" Like, ah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's it, it's a bold move. <clears throat> so that's that's a trembling rose. Uh, we also have a trembling rose, slight return, uh, no reprise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's after it. Was was the thought like, "Hey, not nearly enough trembling rose here. Let's 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 uh, make sure that we include it." On the other one. <laughs> do you remember what, Joe? Do you remember what what that was about? Uh, not really. I have a feeling that it was just it's the the little 
downy breakdown bit that happens a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we just wanted to play that slowly just to see what it was like. Ben was recorded and it just turned into another thing. And when, because um, yeah. the, the album was going to be released by um, a different label, there was talk of a different label releasing it and they were like, oh, you should drop this song and drop that song and drop the another song or whatever. And this was one of the songs they were thinking, I oh, yeah, knocked that one on the head. Um, and I think we were quite stubborn in the end we were, for once, just sort of going, okay, yeah, no, we want it all on there. I don't really remember how this one came about particularly um uh, but um i got a feeling there might have been a mixing thing when there was a couple of mistakes edited out and a few other bits but on the whole i i've just got a feeling it was an accidental jam recorded i, I can't really recall it that's interesting because to me i mean it almost seems like it's the, the placement's perfect on the record because it's almost like the centerpiece so the idea of taking it out or or Futzing with it, for lack of a better term, seems kind of absurd to me. But um, I, I guess also if you're doing the logistics of vinyl, you know, there's just literal space considerations. Uh, yeah, I, I think that we just lived with it for so long. Like, uh, you know, you know how you back mixes backwards and forwards and you chat and everything. I think we were just convinced that it just all needed to be on there. So when someone comes in and they perhaps haven't spent half a year batting mixes backwards and forwards and discussing it, they feel like having something to say is better than saying nothing. So, you know, it's like, well, I think this and this, and, you know, the, sometimes the band will agree, but on the whole, I think sometimes bands just shouldn't, <laughs> and they should just stick to their guns, which is what we've done for once. Yeah, didn't it? It felt like with some of the bits that if you take them in isolation, like that's not going to, that, that reprise of that's not going to be like a single or something like the ones on side A. Yeah. But it's like, you can't really have, I don't know, just if you take it out, you start taking things out, then the other things don't seem to make as much sense. And I think once we started to think, I mean, Joe's really fond of saying, he says in his, you say in your book, don't you, that you don't think that there's many good double albums. So it almost <laughs> felt like, well, now you've said that, we're going to have to do a double album now, aren't we? And it almost felt like the double albums that I like, they are, they have this quality where you think, what the hell did they put that in there for? Mm start imagining it and you think oh okay all right you know i get why that's in there now you're supposed to take your time and listen to this thing in this way it's just i love setting up challenges so you go very very public about something and then completely double back beautiful <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because it's almost like it. everybody that's doing a double record wants to be making like you know double nickels on the dime or something along those lines yeah but it's like maybe you're making sandinista and maybe it'd be a little better if there was you know half these songs weren't on yeah because they're not that great <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that's always the concern especially uh for anyone that approaches their own music from any kind of intellectual perspective and, you know, and the justify your existence sort of mindset that we all live in these days. Yeah. I also, um, uh, one of the things I'm not a fan though is, is the fake double album where there's an album that's about 50 minutes long and it's pressed on two records. Oh. <laughs> like, there's like 10 or 12 minutes per side or something. And you think, come on lads, you could have smashed this into one album very easily, but what you've like, it is a fake double what you've done here. And I think 75 minutes is not a fake double. That's 100% legit. <laughs> no, I, that's, I, I would agree with that statement. That, and it also just seems like, yeah, that, that just seems wasteful too. Like, to, to, yeah. like why, why have this 
I mean, I get it. Well, like, we'll, there's we'll, a we'll, mindset that says, like, okay, I, we're going to have this at 45, right? Because we want the, okay, you know, weird flex. Yeah, but all right. I, I still don't <laughs> buy it. I can't. I don't buy that either. Also, I'm. I'm. I have new. I don't know how many I've got off the top of my head, but I've got a fair few three-sided LPs. Oh yeah, with like an etching on the fourth side or something. You know, yeah, something and I'm like. not convinced about the worth of such a. I don't know. What have we got? We got a pavement one there. Uh, I think Wowie Zowie's three-sided. I've got a Grails one that's three-sided. It's got kind of a beautiful etching, but I never look at it. You know, there's a few. So, I don't know where we're going with this. Sorry, go back no, to no, where that, you were. That, 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 <laughs> that's fine, but it, it, you, just, you just reminded me of a conversation I had with the fellas in Police Teeth years and years ago. We were talking about vinyl and, and how, uh, I think it was the second record, and that, you know, if they, it was just long enough that they had enough for, like, you know, it'd have to be on three sides. And I said, oh, yeah, well, you can make an etching on the fourth side. And just says, "Let's go upstairs and take a look at my etchings," which is a uh, Rick from the, is it no Mike from the Young Ones, like just <laughs> absolutely just like esoteric throwaway line that he's he's trying to, uh, uh, you know, he's trying to come on to a girl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like a meta commentary on etchings, and uh, that was that, that was received well, but it, it never came to pass. But I also think those things are incredibly wasteful. So. You know, uh, yeah. What record is it that I've got an album that's got a seven inch as well? What am I thinking? But Dr. Drive Like Jehu is a seven inch in NLP, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because because to... it was so because <laughs> there was so yeah there was so much material. It was it was too much for the record, but not enough to warrant having a double record kind of situation. I yeah, they've got seven that, as well, yeah. Is that Yang Crime or is that the first one? I think it might be Yang. Yeah, Yang Crime's got. I've got I've got a seven inch with. The CD's got all of them all on it, and the LP's got a seven-inch with it, with two songs, I think. I'd have to dig that out, I think. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, this is this is vinyl talk. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, 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 personally, I'm in my element here, so this can carry on. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, but it's interesting because people don't really think. I think a lot of people don't think about this kind of stuff uh, from a from anything other than a logistical standpoint, which is okay. You got. You got 22 minutes of music on one side before you start to lose fidelity. And, right. you know, and, and I think people think about, and, you know, in the 90s, it was like, oh, we, you know, CDs hold, you know, 80, you know, 80, 72 minutes of music. Let's just crank every song that we've ever written on yeah. here and uh, looking at you, Soundgarden. And, you know, sometimes. Well, I was going to say there are some good double albums, and I was going to say that, but yeah. <laughs> Me and me and Paul are very big fans of Super Unknown, but no, the rest of the band, actually, Will is as well. You're not, are you, Joe? Uh, I, I I really like um, I like Ultra Mega OK, and I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Louder Than Love. Th- th- those are all great records, and I, and actually, I, I I feel like I've told this story like four times this week, but I'll tell it real quick. We listened to Super Unknown on the one and only tour that we did. We had to like kind of cut short uh, in 2020. And we kind of listened to it with as critical analysis of like, hey, you know, have a listen to this album forever. Let's let's take a listen to it. And, and I've decided it's a pretty strong record, but it's about four songs too long. And I personally feel that you could drop Black Hole Sun and Spoon Man, and that'd be fine. <laughs> uh, and then 
you know, I, I assign myself the role of going back in time and telling them like, ah, maybe you guys could ditch this, maybe put that on a, an EP or something. You know, that, it's enough. It's enough, guys. So that that was that you're was the, what I decided. You being the A and R guy to go back and say, <laughs> look, guys, the Black Hole Sun songs just. I just don't hear it as a single. <laughs> Which just goes to show you, if you want commercial success, do exactly the opposite but, of anything I say. Yeah, but that's, I guess that's because you've heard that song a zillion exactly. times, right, on the radio and whatever yes. else. Yes. So, like, you'd take, you'd take Teen Spirit off, never mind. <laughs> right, exactly, because it's like, because that record is still very strong without it, but, but it's also, it, it's one of those things where... You know, taking that in, you can't take away the uh, was it the Heisenberg effect, right? The, the the lived experience of having heard that everywhere and everywhere you go on TV all the yeah. time, et cetera, et cetera. But then, like, think about the terms like Fourth of July. That's a brilliant song. That's a brilliant yeah. song. And there, but there's tons of people that have that record that have never heard it because they tap out by the time they get past Spoonman. It's like, all right, fine. I've had I had when at the very start of lockdown. Uh, Paul, our singer, sent me a message on WhatsApp saying he was walking into work with the 4th of July and his headphones and he's just blown away by it. <laughs> we just got into Soundgarden chat, which we always promised we would never get into, Joe. I'm sorry. But I've <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, talking I'm, about Soundgarden far too much. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, apologies for the for the digression, but it's it's been a hot topic of late. And uh, I, I still also contend that uh, Day I Tried to Live is... is uh, one of the best Soundgarden songs that was a single that people forget yeah. was a single. It's a fucking brilliant song. <clears throat> what, yeah. what about when um, What about when uh, singer Soundgarden did the thing? Did he do an album with Timberland? He, he certainly, he certainly did. How, yes. How's that? How's that, that tour. How's that I standing to up see now? Him on that tour. Uh, how do you think it stands up? Uh, I've I've not listened to it, uh, Chris. I, I I went. He he played in in Nottingham on that tour. And he had like a, a session guy band. He had like the guitarist from Buck Cherry and some other people playing with him. <laughs> uh, me and my partner Katie went to go and see that gig. And he did like, you know, an acoustic version of Billie Jean and stuff like that. But when he did the Soundgarden songs, it was amazing. Even with the pickup band of like session guys, it was really good. But the guy, the guitarist from Buck Cherry kept throwing his plectrums out into the crowd. And I think he must have hit me in the forehead with a plectrum about four times. And there's like 2,000 people there. He's He's like Rick Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just play a guitar, man. Stop throwing your pick away. <laughs> Plectrum damn near killed him. My, um, my, uh, my son's obsessed with watching Ingve Malmsteen videos on YouTube. <laughs> oh my God. He says he throws plectrums every sort of half a second. <laughs> and um, he was watching him play like he's kind of, kind of inept nowadays, but he's still Ingve Malmsteen, <laughs> right? So. But he, there's footage of him just playing on his own in his own studio, like soloing away, and but throwing plectrums in an <laughs> empty he room. Into the cat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think it's part of his deal it's now. Just, it's part of his shtick. He just has to commit to the yeah. bit, I guess. Huh? All right. Well, you know, good on you, I guess. Whatever. I mean, that's your thing. It's not my thing, but it's a thing. I <laughs> uh, I will I will say that uh, the. Yeah, the, I, I'm not not a not a fan of the of the Chris Cornell Timbaland collaboration, <laughs> but I, I do think the stuff he did with uh, former guest of the show, friend of the show, Alan Johannes, was is pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, yeah, I will stand up for that. And also good on him for doing what he wanted to do. You know, good on him. Oh my God, what? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so. Oh, that's funny that we're we're talking we're talking about all this. Leading stuff. A, yeah, leading us neatly. <laughs> Again, professional segue here. Uh, the mirror, which of course this is the one that, that Lanigan 
uh, appears on. Big Cormac McCarthy energy, I think is what I what I called it when I when I heard it. And and I mean that as a compliment. It's one of my favorite authors. This was a Bob idea, right? The the guitars. Yeah, it's Bob it's it's Bob's thing and and I think we did this when when we rehearsed in London before we were I think we had a go at it and because I knew what I was going to play on it for some reason and and I think maybe we tried it out and then we didn't have any idea that we we didn't have any idea what was going to happen with the vocals but Bob put like a Spanish guitar on it and stuff when we were in the studio and it it just sounded like a re- to me it sounded like a Fleetwood Mac kind of Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac Oh, like well, it's Green Peter Bar- Green Fleetwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. To me, I, and, and I kind of really liked it. I really, I, I just thought, oh, that sounds, that's really unusual. And it recorded really well. It sounded really good. And I love the bit where, like, Reese was just said, let's just have four boshes on the bass here between the two parts of the song. So just hit the bass note four times. We'll work out what that's for later. And, like, and when Mark put the vocals on, that bit is so key, you know, yeah. to the dog. Yeah. That's really cool. And I just to have the foresight to think something will probably come out of that bit. That'll be cool. But I mean, Joe can explain how the vocals came about because I have no idea. It was a total surprise to me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he, um, I've said this a few times. So anyone who's heard me say this before, just switch off now and come back in a minute or two. <laughs> um, I uh, he, he he was uh, mail ordering our records from direct from us. Um, so he, he, he'd been buying previous albums and um, I, I recognized his name because he's famous. So I emailed him and said hello. And then he replied and um, he was really, really nice. And then when this song came about, it, it just sounded like his sort of thing. Um, so I emailed him and he said yes. And like it all happened within a day or two. He went into his studio in at the time he was living in. California somewhere. I believe and, um, he's moved to Ireland since, if I remember correctly. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, which saved me postage when I got to send... It was brilliant, because he lived in America <laughs> when he recorded it. But when right, he right, right. moved to Ireland, I could send him the record just to Ireland. Um, yeah, and he was like, yeah, totally. And he just did it in his studio, which was local to him. He was going in and doing other things. He did it. Uh, Paul wrote all the words for it and did it like a sort of demoed, demoed it for him, like word placement and everything. I think Paul's embarrassed because he did it in an American accent, but Mark was polite enough not to mock him. And then, um, and, and, and yeah, it just came back and it was quite, um, like the, 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 the minute his, the first word comes in, the first time I heard it, like, I, like hair stood up on the back. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it just mixed so well. And then Paul did like, there's this uh, kind of a vocal that Paul does over the top of it as well. I don't know. It, it worked yeah, well. Yeah, that kind of okay. uh, like a exactly, um, exactly. So it's you know, if we if there was ever a, you know, we almost played with him this year, last year, two thousand twenty, whatever. Uh, it all fell apart, of course, but maybe one day it'd be lovely to play that. Together. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've characterized Mark Lanigan before as having big gunfighter energy. So it's you know, anytime there's anything with that sort of. Because it almost feels like it could be in a, you know, a new a western, of some kind. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got that kind of vibe, uh, and I think it's a, it's a good part of the, two great tastes that taste great together, kind of mentality. right. Yeah. 
it, he was just such a nice chap as well. Like so pleasant, and he, you know, uh, you know, it, you know, he didn't want any money or anything. Do you know what I mean? It was it yeah. was one of those. You just like holy crap, like this is proper. And he was just so kind of him to do it. You know. Yeah, good tune, yeah, and it, it's uh, you know that was one of the the first ones that kind of came in from the record. Do you, have you found that that sort of brought in brought in some new listeners to check out the rest of it? Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> like kind of without a doubt. Like it, it was the f- it you know yeah the the person who runs the label, um, whoever he is, um, decided that this would be a good um, a good first song even though there was some debate about it not really sounding like anything else on the album. But the person who ran the label thought that this would perhaps um, make a big splash on uh, no PR budget. And, um, yeah. And it's it's the one song, like, if I'm not a Spotify sort of person in any way, but I did look recently, and it's, you know, it's had, like, over 100,000 listens and all this sort of stuff on there. And you think, well, people like Mark Lanigan. So they're checking the song out, and I think they just checked the album out by accident. It's worked out quite well. Well, and that's modern culture, right? You know, it, it's it's something that people already know they like, and so then they are they're inclined to check out something that they already know they like, and you know, maybe there'll be some collateral damage, and they find something that they that they weren't aware of. <laughs> you know, that's that's the idea. Uh, yeah, exactly. get, get the get the shrapnel. Yeah, <laughs> attention shrapnel, if you will. <laughs> so that's the mirror. Uh, any any other any other thoughts on the mirror? I just all all, all I remember about it is that I didn't know that that uh, Lanigan was going to be on it, and Joe emailed the mix across a rough mix of his vocals across to us. And I was at work at the time. I thought I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sneak a quick listen to this on my headphones, and I put my headphones in, and all my work colleagues are sitting around me. And I'm pretending I'm taking a call or something. And I put the headphones in. And as soon as that first word came on, I went, holy fucking shit, really loud. Like, it just sounds like, and that just totally blew my cover. Like, what are you listening to? You're in a band. Oh, no, no, so- no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been blown. I've been blown. Extraction. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, Tony and I got to see him do a show with his band. Um, in Chicago before all this hit and it was fantastic and and there's few people I think that can pull off the just being a dude standing there singing and uh, have it work and he absolutely positively makes it work like he's got presence power uh, full full control of his voice in a way that uh, I'm not sure if he quite gets enough credit for so uh, anyway uh, also, former guest of the show, and uh, he told some some pretty excellent, uh, a couple of pretty raunchy stories, which I which I always appreciate, <laughs> especially since this was before the book came out. <laughs> uh, Revelation Day, talk. Tell me about that one. Uh, it's it's a it's a baseline that I'm terrified of playing live. <laughs> I'm sensing uh, a recurring theme here. <laughs> well, because we, we play in like murkily lit places and whatever sure. else, and it's a, a it's a baseline that was quite easy coming up with in my living room on like an acoustic guitar whilst watching um, whatever I was watching on telly and just noodling in the way that people do. And 
Um, but it's, you know, it's quite fiddly and it jumps about all over the place and I'm a bit wary of playing it live. So um, I'm announcing it right now. We're never playing this song live. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same, Joe. I'm, I'm up for that. The rest of them aren't here, so it's fine. Let's just say we're never going to play it live because I can't play my guitar part either, either so. Peace and love, peace and love. We will not be playing it live. <laughs> you guys familiar with that with that bit? What's Ringo. That? Ringo. Ringo Starr. Yeah. He was at he, yeah. he he made a video announcement that he would not be in uh he he would not be answering any more fan mail and to stop sending him things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he kept yeah, saying yeah, yeah. peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> It's just yeah, the funniest thing to tag grumpy. an announcement with. You were basically saying, "Stop fucking bothering me." <laughs> <laughs> so, anytime I make any kind of a mundane announcement, I'll sometimes throw in a piece in love with that. That's a personal <laughs> just to even out, just even out, out. Yeah, let everyone know that I have peace and love in my heart about this dickish thing I just said. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I will say the song came out quite well, and I think that um, yeah. Chris will probably mention it, but his uh, overdubs do sound like uh, him from the Happy Mondays, and that pleases me. <laughs> yeah. Th- well, are we are we are we beginning to lose any noise rock cred here? <laughs> uh, think, by beginning, I mean like continuing to. <laughs> I'll stand up for that. I'll stand up for the Happy Mondays. Come on. I love the Happy Mondays. That guitar player is really good. I, I, I was gonna say Factory, but I wasn't thinking of Happy Mondays specifically. But uh, I can hear it. I can hear it in a good way, and, and I like that kind of. Um, I kind of, I like that recontextualization. You know, I think that that's that's always interesting to hear those types of sounds in a different uh, different arrangement, different types of songs, and, and stuff along those lines. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well done on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Chris. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so, first of all, what? So, stylites in reverse. What's a stylite? It is a, a poor needs to answer this. It's a it's a, someone who climbs up uh, the top of a tower to meditate. So it's oh. like oh yeah yeah, on yeah, a, yeah 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 like using uh, the wrong term. Like yeah. it's like a Turkish thing or something, right? Like where they're, they're like they would achieve some higher form of enlightenment by being on that pillar. This is where my, my I've already had a WhatsApp message from the rest of the band saying, "Can you guys wrap it up? This is going on a bit." But um, <laughs> then I'll get one from Paul telling me what a stylite is and why I'm an idiot. I'm sure, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's someone who uh, ascends and sits on top of a, a pole for a period of time to. So uh, a stylite in reverse is someone coming down off the. Oh, I guess. Brilliant. Well, th- thank you for explaining that because I had no, I had no clue at all. I'm guessing totally. <laughs> I'm completely guessing what it's about. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once you guess more about more of your songs, it's it's, uh, it's very entertaining. Uh, so, do you have any thoughts to the to the song itself, though? Like the recording, the playing, anything about it? Joe needs to cook. Well, I wasn't. I remember. I kind of thought we'd done for the evening. And I remember you playing it with Will and Reese in the studio while me and Bob were, were just unwinding. Figure, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, and I remember you playing it and thinking, like, it just sounded like you. It was a loop. It sounded like it was the, a cut-up loop that was constructed, not that you were playing it. And I could never really totally get my head around it when you were playing it, possibly because I had begun unwinding for the after <laughs> the day. <laughs> But yeah, I, yeah, I was just determined that 
that would at least try the silliness of the the the, the baseline and will was keen to learn it so and and reese was there so the three of us were just plowing on despite the fact everyone else had um given up for the evening it's pretty much chris did eventually time. join in but uh <laughs> and it just turned into what it did i really like it i, I, I think um i love the space in reese's drums yeah like it i like i like drummers that like I, I i think he's brilliant but like the stopping and then coming like it, it yeah it just kind of doesn't flow but when you listen to the whole thing it does and i really like that i really like the stopping and starting of the drums in it it's got a good vibe now they know what the style it is i'm like i'll keep that in mind when i when i listen to it <laughs> and the g-funk the g-funk solos as well i'm a big fan <laughs> <G-funk>. a <Absolute laughs> big, fan, big fan of the g-funk we got the synth that has and to be the, Paul that did has a synth to be, solo and then uh, the first did, time, yeah yeah go on you to use it your thing, solo yeah. Going back to the earlier conversation about long songs that justify their existence, I think Maggot Brain is a, is one that does as well. And that's basically one long guitar solo. <laughs> I, would, I, I was thinking as well when you were saying about that, the Patrick Cowley remix of Donna Summer as well was definitely, I thought about that when we were doing Trembling Rose, how it has different bits in it. Even though it's the same thing, it has different sections yeah. of that thing. Diff- different, different movements. Yeah. If, you, if, you're, if you're very I pretentious, you could cut the movements, yeah. Definitely, definitely movements and moods. But um, yeah, I couldn't, I don't think, it, maybe Will could solo for the amount of time that Maggot Brain exists for, but yeah. But that Starless in Reverse is really odd and, and the video is amazing. A guy called Mike Bourne did the video for us and that's, great and i it just doesn't sound like I, I couldn't imagine that being on i don't know what type i don't know what genre that is so that's good for me you know i kind of feel yeah. like I, I don't i don't know where it fits in with the music that i've been involved in or anybody's been involved in it's, it's cool but it does that you cowboy oh yeah it's a, it's a will thing right I don't know. I can't remember that. I can't remember I, how he did it. I, I got feel. I, I have a feeling that he had the main bits, and to this day, I can't work out what any of it is or I how can't. it's come together because <laughs> it. I can't hear where it, it sort of flows from one thing to another without me being able to tell where the changes are. And I'm pleased you said that. I try to work it out, and I can't. I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. The vocals, the vocals are good, but they don't. Help. Um, <laughs> the, the music is underneath it in a different... I can't work it out. And then the intro got added on. And I can't remember why. I, I, and I, I don't know why it's called what it's called. The end. I think we tried to do the... We tried. I tried to do the intro because we thought we'd have like maybe 20 seconds of it. I did the intro at home and then thought we'd have like a little bit, like a little segue between the two songs. And then it just kind of stayed at being like a minute and a half or something. Yeah. And it feels like a bit of a breather for me, which is sort of works. But I can't, I'm pleased you can't work at our jokes. I can't work at what's going on either on it. Another song we will not be playing live. <laughs> Probably need to rectify <laughs> peace that. Peace and love, we? peace and love. <laughs> wasn't it called, was it called, wasn't it always called You Cowboy, even off the first? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know why, but but the video for that was done by a friend of ours called a friend of I've known since I was in my as a teenager, 
called Chris Bolton, and he did the video for it. And uh, he's he has like this kind of he's been doing lots of drone footage mm. in really interesting areas. And we'd seen that on Instagram and thought, well, we should maybe he could do a video for us, knowing that he kind of liked the band. And then the day before he'd agreed, he was going off the next day or a couple of days later to go to the Peak District and climb up these hills and shoot this drone footage. And Paul sent him a cowboy outfit and was like, would you mind possibly just popping the cowboy outfit on while you're scaling these mountains in 90 degree heat? And he did it. So thanks, Chris, for doing that. The video is great. That's uh yeah that that's makes for an excellent visual and it's uh again always admire the deep commitment to the bit even at personal cost maybe yeah yeah personal comfort maybe is the best way to put it uh, yeah uh dead songs for dead sires oh man uh talking to talking of songs we might not be playing live. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't remember. I, I think I think this started out as being the bit at the end, didn't it? It started out as only being the bit that happens halfway through. That's kind of like the Beatles one albumy bit. And it's so got it's, the country teasers bit in the middle, right? Yeah, that, that that's the bit that I think it started out as. And then I think you came up with the bass line. I can't remember, but for some reason the start of it got turned into that kind of pulsing drone thing instead mm. there, there underneath that there is us playing that normally you know that when it comes in loud there's two lots of that but we just kind of got rid of it and i think i was just i just wanted to sound like um the faith healer by uh the sensational alex harvey band they they have a song that just starts with drones pulsing drone and i kind of thought that'd sound pretty good and i hadn't i didn't think anyone would go along with that and we hacked the first part of the song off and put this drone on, and everyone was like, okay. Maybe they just forgotten what it sounded like in the first place. But right, right. <laughs> it, it, seems, yeah. it seems to work, and it's like it's, it's a big song. It, it kind of has lots of different changes and parts to it, and, you know, it, it, it felt like it needed to be broken up so that it wasn't quite so relentless all the way through it. It had more changes and more light and shade than it originally did. But, yeah, it's... it's tough that one I don't know how we're gonna I don't know I really again I really like Will's guitar line that comes in yeah it's great isn't it comes in like halfway through and then just sticks to the end yeah it's, nice it's, little melody little catchy thing well and it's nice because it's already since it's kind of a long song it kind of breaks it up significantly in the fact that like when that comes in it sort of changes the mood completely uh, yeah pleasant melody yeah. right also as well it's got that it's got the, the guitar solo thing on the end of it which is just this mad stuttering kind of noise thing is Bob going nuts while I'm operating this tremolo pedal that's oh, going nice. the being triggered by the snare but it didn't quite work and it and I, it, it just sounds I it just sounds great I really love that, I, that again how the hell are we going to do that no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you need, need to bring on your uh, your tremolo operator on staff for, I mean, uh... <laughs> yeah, maybe I could just do that maybe I'll just maybe I'll just ditch the guitar and just operate Bob's tremolo pedal there you go. I think the big the big takeaway from all this is that we hope that live music never comes back. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's fine. You can you can just play Trembling Rose like three times in a row. Sorted. Possibly. <laughs> uh, so that's that one. Dead songs for dead sires. Uh, Blood Red Magical. I don't remember. I I really don't remember how this one came about. 
DJ. No, nor me. I will say that, um, again, Paul's vocals are marvellous on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that it's, I think it's one of my favourites off the record. And that was the one thing when we gave, when we gave it over to people to listen to and it was suggested that was one of the ones that came off it. That was the thing that made me think maybe we should stick to our guns because that that one feels like I don't know. I, I'm Joe. You probably say whether I'm right on it. It just feels like it's. It, I don't think that could have been on any other Colossus record. That that song has a particular feel no. to it. Feels like it's really representative of the current version of the band. Better or for worse, you know. Like it, it feels. Oh, like, like yeah. Crazy. I'm like I think you described it well when you like. It's, it's all about the the cover of the album describes what the album is and it needed to be on there next to Trembling Rose and next to all the others just because the contrast. It's what makes like long albums work is to have a mix up. You can't blast your way yeah. through 70 minutes. Right. And also I think when when we got that back, we got the mixes of that back, I thought, oh, I can probably like, I can probably redo my part or something on that or maybe we can tidy that up and any attempt that got made to tidy that song up made it much worse, which kind of proves <laughs> it, just, it just made it. If sure, I played yeah, that, like yeah. what I'm playing on it, it's really bad. And, and now I'm trying to sit at home and recreate it just in case we do get called into action, you know, like, yeah, to, yeah. like you know, like we see the Hey Colossus sign in the sky and have to spring into action. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to play it at home and it's bad. Like what I'm playing on, like, I can't really work it out, but I like how it feels like it might fall apart, that one. And, um, I think we've got a video coming up for that, haven't we, Joe? So that- just talk, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen, yeah, yeah, and it's really cool. So I, I yeah, I, I think that one's the the one that more than any of the others justifies it being a double record because I can't. I, I just think it's so unusual for that for for us to do something like that. It does sort of sound like the country teasers or something. It sounds like a. It sounds like it's, it's almost kind of collapsing or falling apart. You know whether that whether that's uh, it, it feels like that's a positive thing, whereas maybe in the past that might not have been. Well, it allows doing a double record like this allows you the freedom to kind of act with impunity for a song like that, right? Like, is it? Yeah, it allows it allows you to push the boundaries out of what you think your band is more than uh, you know if you've got to try and like get a forty-minute album of bangers yeah. together. Like and and it, you, you couldn't have had a single album with that on it if we didn't cut it down to a single that had to go that one because it's just so odd, right? It, it just it, it would be the first on the cutting room floor just because of yeah what yeah because it doesn't stay it doesn't stand on its own but then when you have it as a double you're like oh that's, you know that's how far it goes in that direction that's interesting well and I think you hit on an interesting point because I think there's something to be said for records that are you know what be they concept records or whatever that have a flow and certain songs exist to serve a function for the record and to be in a certain place at a certain time and to do a certain thing or just that they there's the freedom to do that knowing full well that that's probably not going to be the song that somebody picks out to do the elevator pitch of getting someone into the band or something along those lines but yeah i think there's something to be said for that I, i don't know i don't hear people talk about that much but it's something i certainly you know i think <laughs> definitely agree with what you're saying there. for the totally. listeners I, i'm pushing my imaginary glasses up on my face as i say all this by the way <laughs> we definitely i think me and joe talked a lot 
the, the, one of the double albums we talked about was Unwound, the Leaves Turn Inside You record. And we and there's some definite things on that that if you take them out in isolation, they don't work anymore. They're not, they're not, they're, they're kind of, they, they are traditional filler, but they're kind of not. When you put them in that puzzle, they become this other thing. And I think that's kind of where we were thinking with it, you know, with, with stuff like that. I think Leaves is a good, uh, good uh, entry point for for that kind of thing and I think that's actually a good comparison um, as far as just vibe and development and uh, you know lots of different one might think disparate things like sitting together uh, I, I mean I think that's it's pretty much a perfect album one of the best of that decade obviously yeah oh I'm yeah. I'm sort of weirdly more obsessed with Unwound now than I ever have been and I've always liked them um, yeah, but, me too. but when those box sets came out, when Numero put those box sets out, uh, like a year or two back, probably two or three years back, um, it just really spells out how magnificent that band is. <laughs> and, and like the booklets are so beautiful and just, you can just follow their path. And there's a band where that developed from being a gravity, hardcore sort of band into this, expansive um like seeing the big world band it was you know the, in, in a lot of ways and that album in particular really was like the peak and it's just so nice for a band to like develop but still be getting better not just be plummeting downhill like a lot do absolutely absolutely uh, titanic band titanic band uh Sorry, very personal to me. Uh, Tied in a firing yeah, line yeah, is yeah. how you how you end the record. Um, can you speak a little about that that song? Yeah, it was the first, that was that was the first one we did. I think when we when we first got together. So my my recollection is that you still had some gigs left with uh, Rue, who played guitar before me. But we got together and did some did a rehearsal, and this was the first thing we did from that. Um, and so it's the first song that we did as that. So it's nice for me that it's the last one on the record is the first one that we kind of recorded and the first one that we wrote together. And it's really long and it, it has all those different, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, second place winner, I think for the record, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a will, it's a will one. So it's got a weird time signature, but it feels like it really flows. It feels like it's got a lot of the sounds of the old version of the band in it as well. It feels like it, it's it's like a hey colossus song to me. Yeah, it's the, it's the um, it's the only song I think I've ever overdubbed a bass on. Um, when um, there's a bit in the middle that I wanted to do something when we were recording it, but I didn't have the guts to try it because I didn't want to get it wrong. Right. Um, just because of the way we work, and it would have been the take, and then we'd have moved on, and I'd have cried forever. So I just kept it really simple in the middle bit when it breaks down to being kind of a dubby moment. But it's the only song I've ever said, right, I need to, I'm need i going to redo the bass on this. And from the beginning, I just replayed the whole thing, but played it slightly more complicated in the middle bit. And mm. then Will's guitar picks it up after a couple of loops around, so you get to hear what I'm playing. And yeah, so it's the only time I've ever had the guts as well to say it without being laughed out of the room. <laughs> it's like, who, who well, you are type thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bass, bass overdubs are, are not exactly commonplace no. in recording in general it's just not you know you, you don't think about that in terms of uh that normally so but it's 
I mean, the, the results speak for themselves. It's a good, it's a cool, it's a cool part. Uh, well, thank you. But yeah, that was it. That's the only only reason I did it is because I didn't have the guts to play it the first time around because I didn't want to balls it up. Um, so yeah, there we are. It's a good reason. And uh, think- Chris's guitar solo that leads up to the big uh, riff bit is uh, very satisfactory. I have a feeling that he got mocked for it at the time, but um, I got I, I did one in the studio, and Bob said to me. The one I did in the studio is not the one that's on the... I did one live when we were, when we were recording it, and Bob said, you've got to cut that Santana shit out. So... I, <laughs> Jesus. Santana. So I, did, so I, I, went, I went back and did one... That's hate I went speech back in my one, camp. <laughs> he, he didn't like guitar solos, but I, I went back and did like a harmony guitar solo, like Thin Lizzy mm, for a yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I did one that's just this slide part going from the highest lowest note to the highest note, and it seemed to work, and I... When I was listening back to it, I was listening back to the mixes of it, my uh, partner, Katie, mocked me very, very solidly for doing that. She was just laughing and said, you idiot, what have you done that for? <laughs> nice. But again, like, I, you know, looking forward to playing that one live. I'd like a spotlight if that's okay, Joe. That's it. <laughs> <You've got it. laughs> Single spotlight that immediately comes down. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, the was there Was there a lot of discussion deliberation about sequencing for this record there's so many different moods there's different types of songs things along those lines was there were you guys i, I don't on the think same i don't page? think there was i don't think there was because i think that i've got a feeling that chris pretty much nailed it straight away uh I, I if i'm wrong tell me otherwise but i think that um i think that chris kind of like emailed it around and said this is what it's about this is what we're doing and it just fit. It was like four, because it's four different sides. Yeah. It's like, it's either four EPs or two albums or one big album. And it works in each way because of that. Like and and that's kind of what I was driving at is that, is that it's almost like you're sequencing four different records. Uh, to a yeah, degree. that was, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm completely wrong, I've got a feeling that Chris did it and we kind of pretty much agreed to it straight away with I that. I think it's, it was really hard to do. I think I think there's only what, a couple of ways you can do it where you don't end up with one side being too long. Yeah. So, like, I just tried to work out what had to go on each side, and then when you do that, that's kind of it. Like, it, it sequenced itself. You, I mean, you can maybe switch some of the order around on each of the sides, but it feels like you got to have the second record starting with the mirror. Right. You got to have trembling. Yeah. On a whole side yeah. with the reprise. And you're just looking at what starts it and what ends it. It, it feels like it's it sort of lo- lends itself to that. I, I would I don't I don't know if it would work any other way, particularly. But I, you know, it, I, I think maybe the reason that people went for it, it was just like a mammoth task, and I just happened to have some time at work to just sit there and doodle it down. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, "God, he's done that. Great, nice one." Well, I think it's uh, a it's a very it, first of all, it's a very good record, but it's also a very well sequenced record, and that's something that uh, you know, there's records I love where, you know, "Audit in Progress" by Hot Snakes, fantastic record, but it's yeah. like, oh, the sequencing in this is terrible. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, I don't, that's, the, that's the one with um, that's the one with like what I would say if I was like an A and R guy in the '90s and the band brought me the 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 master tapes, the last song on "Audit in Progress" is like, this is the hit, yeah. guys, this hit. This make this number one on the on the sequencing. No, we want to have but, like six songs with the exact same beats per minute that have similar sounding riffs instead. Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, I love I it. Don't know. get me wrong, but it's just like, 
really? Like, just okay? Yeah. Like what? Like what? Like, come on, guys. Like you, you're, you have everyone's attention. <laughs> you don't need to do that. But anyway, not to not to not to bag on hot snakes, who I objectively love. But I think I I had Ruble Kaba on, and I I, uh, I might have talked some trash about that then too. So I said it to their face. One of them, anyway. Uh, so I do want to also talk about the fact that the, the record Dances Curses, uh, it's available, uh, well, it's available in the U.S. on Learning Curve Records, of course, the mighty Learning Curve Records, uh, and people should get that in, in the U.S. However, you have taken, taken the plunge, Joe, with wrong speed. To, uh, uh, to 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 DIY DIY or die right? <laughs> do you have do you have any thoughts or or prepared statements or anything along those lines for for that decision? Uh, no, nothing prepared. I, it was um, it, it uh, it's just been a strange year, yeah. and it's quite hard to convince. We just it's quite tough to say I, I i it started because the label started as almost like a hobby for myself during a bit of a downtime earlier in the year um so i released some friends music this album was going to come out on uh alter like the last one did um and um luke who runs the label said that um he thought it'd be best if it came out uh, kind of towards the middle of 2021 he thought that that would make sense for gigs and whatever else but we were so keen to get it out that um i are we allowed to swear we're allowed to swear i just said yeah. fuck it <laughs> and put it out um and just and, and said to them we'll do it we're just going to do it and it's going to be the whole double album we don't need to debate it with anyone anymore we'll just see and and that was it it was just we had the distribution in place I don't know, and just went for it. I, I haven't really. There's no master plan to it, particularly. God knows if it's the right thing to have done. I don't know. And then Rainer, uh, uh, I spoke to Rainer at Learning Curve, who I've spoke to over years, and I was like, "Do you fancy it?" And he fancied it, so he pressed up uh, the vinyl for America as well. So, which was really lovely of him. And then, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It, it worked out well. I, you know, I don't want to. There's no trumpets to be blown here. It was just what it was. It's been a good experience so far. Uh, yeah, I, I've personally, I love being hands-on. I love, I, I love, I love every aspect from booking tours to, um, or being involved in booking tours and discussing logistics to booking rehearsals. So for me, being hands-on is, you know, I've spent the whole day today taking records out of sleeves, putting them into PVC things. I do all the mail order, I do all of that. And it's just because I'm an idiot and I love it. And and for most people, it's probably really boring. So it's, it's the glamour it's, stuff, really. Yeah, It's it's just <laughs> it's something I really enjoy. So I don't care about doing it. Well, I think it's a it's a good move because I think you put out a hell of a record. And I think uh, the world is set up in such a way right now that you have more of a chance uh, to get that out in the world with limited resources, and, and I hope people pay attention to it because it's a hell of a record, and I dare say I think it might be the best. Frankly, That's, uh, very kind. I, I think it's definitely our best. 
So last thing, uh, I want to thank you guys both for for giving me so much of your time and for for speaking with thank me. Thank you. Uh, last thing I always ask folks before they leave, it's the only canned question I ever have. You can choose to interpret it however you like. We'll start with you, Joe, then we'll go to you, Chris. Why do you do what you do? Uh, for me, it's the uh, social side of it. I'm uh, um, terrible at talking socially in pubs with people and whatnot, so it's quite nice to stand in a room and talk like this. I think it's a... Uh, beautiful social thing to do that's why i do it chris money definitely the money (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think like um i I don't know and same as joe i've been in bands since i was a teenager and really it's just you know you don't have a long game plan with it it's a way of communicating with other people be it someone that you're playing to or is listening to your record or your fellow bandmates, you know, in the way that you, you develop a language between you. So it's kind of like a, uh, a problem solving exercise, but you just, I always feel like I've got something. Um, I've got something I, I haven't quite done yet. You know, I always feel like I need to, 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 to complete something almost. And it feels like that's a, something that I can't see really ever, ever going away. I mean, I'm 43 now, so I, you know, I'm, this is it, you know, it's what I'm doing, you know? So it kind of feels like that's, you know, I can't think of a better, I can't think of a better way of articulating it. Sorry. It's just, just, that's, that's kind of what I've committed to doing. Absolutely. And as I, frequently say there's no wrong answer it's just however you choose to interpret it and uh really appreciate both you guys giving your time talking so much about the record thank you and uh you know it's uh again hope everyone checks it out i look forward to when there are shows again maybe having you guys come over for caterwall yes 100 percent, please and uh yeah uh this has been great thanks so much fellas thanks thank you very much thank you very much Take care. All right. There they go. Chris and Joe. Hey, Colossus. Good guys. Good guys. Good band. Good times. Great oldies. Uh, let's hear a song from uh, let's hear a song from the record. Let, let's hear a song from the record. Let's hear. What are we what are we doing here? Here we go. Okay. Dances curses. We'll be back shortly.
I was saying Colossus with the eyeball dance. Uh, I was a little abrupt there. Sorry, everyone. <sighs> what can I say? It's Sunday. <clears throat> anyway, if you want to hear that in a non-interruptive manner, please go to uh, the Hey Colossus Bandcamp. HeyColossus.bandcamp.com. Uh, they're available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music. I don't know how. However you however you get your music, that's uh that's how you can find it. Great record. One of my favorites of the last year. Very interesting. Highly recommended. Uh, give it give it your time. Give it some attentive listening. I'd like to thank Chris Sermel and Joe Thompson from Hey Colossus for joining me today. I'd like to thank you for listening. The name of the show is Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. It airs on Radio Nope. Usually on Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Trenchels, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Signing off. This has been a Quarantimes edition. Mr. and Mrs. America, all ships at sea. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Find everything there. Also, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you want episodes sooner, Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal. $1 a month will get you there. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. Uh, Thanks for people recommending the show. reviews on things like iTunes it seems totally stupid and it is but it helps people find the show so I always appreciate that this microphone turns sound into electricity. got a bunch of stuff geared up for 2021 so thanks for, thanks now? for the years out on Route 128, stay safe out there and got my radio on. take it easy to my top 10.
I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. Got my radio on. 